In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Let us read some verses from the book of Revelation, chapter 3, starting from verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Lodicians write, These things says the Amen, the faithful, and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealth and have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Glory to God forever. Amen. I'm happy to be with you tonight, and I think that is second time to come uh, to this campus. So I'm happy to be with all of you tonight and to speak about one of the very important subjects in our life, which is the spiritual lukewarmness. What is lukewarmness? That we are not fervent in spirit. That we do spiritual exercises and practices, but as a routine, not with a zealous heart. So we do many practices. Maybe we read the scripture, we go to the church, attend the liturgies, uh, take communion, meet with our spiritual father regularly. We do all of this. But as the Lord Jesus Christ said about the Jewish people, these people worship me with their mouth, but their heart is far away from me. So this actually a very dangerous spiritual illness, and we need to address it and to see whether our worship to God is coming from our heart with zeal or not. What are the reasons of spiritual lukewarmness? The first reason of the spiritual lukewarmness is to exclude God from our life. I am doing all these spiritual practices, but I am doing this as a routine without connection with God. I am in the church, 
by my body, physically. My mouth utter them words, but my heart is not with God. That's why the Lord said to this church, I am standing at the door and knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Standing at the door and knocking, then he is outside, not inside. People kick God outside their life. And they want to take control of their lives. And that's why their heart grew lukewarm. This can be the case of a person or a case of the Holy Church. A Holy Church, we have a church, we have activities, we have liturgies, we have Bible studies, but all these activities are done just in a routine way, without depth, without connecting people with God. Like the ministry of the religious leaders of Israel, the Pharisees, the scribes, the priests, the high priest, they actually very active, but with no fruit, because God was not in their life. That's why when the Lord saw the fig tree that has many, many leaves, but no fruits, he cursed the fig tree. And all the church fathers said the fig tree represent the nation of Israel that has many leaves, leaves are activities, but no fruits, no relationship with God. And the problem with this group, as the Lord said, you are not hot or cold. You are not hot means you don't have spiritual zeal, you are not fervent in your spirit. But in the same time, you are not cold like the adulterers or the tax collectors or the thieves. So they feel they are righteous, although they are not. That's why the Lord was able to save adulterous people, was able to lead to repentance thieves, like the thief on the cross, tax collector, like Zacchaeus. But the only group that did not benefit from the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ was the religious leaders of Israel, because they will look warm because they consider themselves rich, although they were very poor spiritually. They consider themselves religious. They have all these activities, but in reality, they were far, far away from God. That's why this was the only group that did not benefit from the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who is lukewarm he thinks that he is rich because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. Tell him, you need to have a spiritual father. No, I don't. I know it all, what he can tell me. I have the Bible, I, I read church fathers, so I, I know. I don't need to have a spiritual father. Maybe he will not say it this way. He will say, yes, I do have a spiritual father, but he doesn't see him maybe once every two years or three years. So in reality, if I don't go and see my spiritual father frequently, at least once a month, then I am saying I have need of nothing. I don't need a spiritual direction. I don't need a father to guide me 
and walk me in the spiritual way. When you tell him an advice, and when you tell him a positive criticism, he will not take it from you. He will be very defensive. And maybe he will exclude you from your life completely. Like the scribe and Pharisees, when the Lord said to them the parable of the wicked vine dressers, they knew that he said this parable about them. But instead of repenting, they actually consulted with themselves how to get rid of him and how to kill him. That is the danger of being lukewarm. You exclude people from your life, people who care about you. If your parents tell you something, then I will move out of the house. If your spiritual father in the church said a criticism to you, you will not go to this church anymore. So the hidden message, or what does this imply? I am rich. I have become wealthy. I don't need anybody to tell me what's right and what's wrong. I know it all. That's how he perceived himself. But him in the eyes of God, look like what? The Lord told him, and you do not know that you're rich, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Naked because he doesn't have the righteousness of Christ to clothe him. He is naked from the righteousness of Christ. Blind because he don't see things from the eyes of God. He sees things from his own eye. This Sunday in the reading, we will read the gospel of the man who was born blind from John chapter 9. And we have the person who was physically blind, but actually spiritually, he was not blind. He was enlightened. And we have the religious leaders of Israel who were physically not blind, but spiritually, they were blind. And the Lord told them a very important verse. He told them, if you were blind, you would not have no sin. But because you say, we see, your sin remains. What does this mean? If you are blind, if you admit your blindness, if you realize that you are blind, if you are cold, like here when he told him you are neither, cold or hot, if you admit like the adulteress, like the tax collector, like the thieves, if you admit your sins and you ask it for forgiveness and for help, then your sin will be forgiven. You will not have any sin. But because you say, I see, because you say, I have no sins, I am rich and have become wealthy, then your sin will remain. Your sin will not be forgiven. That's the true blindness. When the person is blind to his own sin, when he doesn't realize that he is a sinner and he is in need of forgiveness and repentance. He told him, you are naked, you are blind, you're poor. Poor because you don't have any spiritual virtue in your life. You don't have the fruit of the Spirit in your life. You are like this fig tree that's full of leaves, but there is no one single fruit in it. You're poor. If you don't have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, 
you are poor. You're miserable because you don't realize the vanity of this world. This world will pass away and all its vanities, all its pleasure. And as St. Paul said, if we have hope in Christ only in this world, we are the most pitiable people. And he told him, you're wretched because the eternal life will not be for you. But these people, if they do not repent, then they will go with the devil to the lake of fire. What are the reasons that make the person exclude Christ from his life and kick him outside? As the Lord said, I am standing at the door and knocking. This church called Laodicea and from a Greek word Laos. And Laos means people. So the meaning of the name of the city, the government of the people. This church represented the person who want to govern his own life, to make his own rules and his own standards, not to follow the rules of God. He is rebelling against the rule of God. God says something, but I will say something else. God says abortion is sin, but I say no, abortion is okay. God says divorce is sin, but I say no. Divorce is okay. And so on. I follow my own rules. I want to govern my life according to my own principles. I don't follow the principle of God. That is one reason. When your ego and your pride is so high and you rely on yourself, not on God, and you trust your own judgment, not the judgment of God, And sometimes you criticize God as not knowing what he does. For example, many people say, why God allow evil in the world? Why God did not do this? Why God allowed this? And we question God as if we are wiser than him. Because we are wise in our own eyes. And this can actually blind the person. In the book of Proverbs, It teaches us, don't be wise in your own eyes and don't lean on your own understanding. Another reason that makes the person look warm, when we have a lot of time and we don't use this time in the right way, when we let Satan actually use our time, for example, You have some days off or you have some hours you finished your study. Then you start thinking, how can I spend this time? Maybe let's go to a nightclub to have fun with ungodly friends or whatever. And usually Satan is ready with some plans for you. And if you don't follow his plans, then he will attack you with loneliness, with boredom, etc. One time, a godly youth in college sent me a text message and told me, I feel I'm lonely, I feel I am so bored in the campus. Why? He told me, all my friends, after they finish their study, they go and have fun,
go to nightclubs, they drink, they dance, and I, I don't go with them because I know this wrong. But at the same time, I'm sitting here by myself, suffer from boredom and loneliness. What can I do? So I replied to him and told him, it's better to suffer from loneliness and boredom than to suffer from sin. It's better to suffer from loneliness and boredom than to suffer from sin and its consequences. We need to be wise in using our time. Redeem the time, as St. Paul said. Redeem the time because the days are evil. We need to redeem the time in the right way. Redeem the time means, when we say Jesus redeemed us, means what? He sacrificed his own life in order to save us. That's redemption. Redemption, you sacrifice something to save something else. So when St. Paul said, redeem the time in his letter to Ephesians, what did he mean by redeeming the time? What are you going to compromise in order to save your time, in order to do some constructive activities in your time? That's redeeming the time. When we compromise ungodly activities, and we don't participate in ungodly activities, in order to save my time for something productive, then Satan will have no place in my time. You know the story of David. Most of the time when he was busy, active with his army, with his people, he was not tempted by sin. But only the time when his army was in the battlefield, and he did not go with them. And he started to go and walk on the roof of his house. Then Satan actually took this opportunity and tempted him with a sin. And he fell in adultery, then he fell in murder. Because he did not redeem the time. And one sin leads to another, leads to a third sin, etc. And make the heart losing it's, it's zeal and make the heart lukewarm. And as St. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, bad company corrupt good morals. You need to be careful around whom you are actually living your life. Around godly people or around bad company, ungodly people. You need to have discernment. And you need actually to separate yourself from ungodly and bad company. As we read in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, don't participate in the unfruitful works of darkness. Rather, rebuke them. Also, separating yourself from godly people. Being around ungodly people will make your heart look warm. But at the same time, separating yourself from godly people will make your heart uh, also look warm. When you go to church regularly and you surround yourself with zealous people, people who are full of spiritual zeal, people who are godly, this is actually contagious. Their spirit that's fervent will actually make your spirit also fervent. You will be fervent in spirit. Surround yourself with 
godly people. In this way, even when you are lukewarm, but the atmosphere in itself. Many people, when they come and spend some time in the monastery, just being in the monastery for three or four days retreat, attending prayer around the monks and the brothers or nuns and sisters in a godly atmosphere, an atmosphere full of zeal. This actually makes the person, when he goes back home, he fervent in spirit. And I heard this from so many people. That's why I encourage you when you have time, go and take retreat. This will help you to overcome any lukewarmness. Another reason that make our heart lukewarm when we are busy, and this is the opposite of when I said you have a lot of time and you don't use the time wisely. Sometimes Satan make us so busy to the extent you don't have time to pray, you don't have time to go to church, you don't have time to read the scripture, you don't have time for any spiritual activities. That's why the fire in your spirit will fade away gradually. In Luke chapter 14, there is a parable about a king who made a reception for the wedding of his son. And he invited people to come. And the people actually had excuses. And these excuses were real excuses. The first one he told him, I have bought field and I have to attend to it. The second one told him, I have bought some animals, oxen and cows, and I have to attend to it. Third one, he said, I just got married and I have wife and, and I have to attend to her. So if you think about these people, they did not commit any sin. But why the king here decided that no one would be invited to his dinner? Because they were too busy to give him time. We're too busy to give him time. Sometimes, why you don't pray? I am busy. Why did not get share? I, I have exams, so I'm studying. Why? Because I'm busy. Busyness can be one of the very important reasons can actually produce lukewarmness in our heart. Actually, if you are too busy and you have too many commitments, then you need the grace of God. Then you need to give time to God. The more you are busy, the more you need God. It's not the opposite. It's not that when I am uh, I'm done with all my responsibilities, then I will have time to God. No. The more you are busy, the more you need God. And believe me, one day I was a student like you. And in Egypt, studying is much, much harder than here. And you can ask people who graduated from Egypt. But my personal experience, when actually I gave time to God, my study went smoother than when I don't give time to God. And we learned the lesson. If you are very busy with your studying, then give God more time than your study 
will be easier. I'm sharing this from a personal experience. So don't be too busy with God. Sometimes even business, we can be busy in the services of the church. And we serve, 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 serve without serving the Lord of the church. Let me give you an example. Two weeks ago, we read the parable of the prodigal son. Let me speak about the older son. The older son said to his father, what? I served you so many years. He was in the house of the father and he served the house of the father, but he did not make any connection with the father. That's why he was very lukewarm. And when his brother returned, he refused to accept him. He did not have love or compassion toward him. So this is a typical example of a person who is in the church, serving in the church, but his heart is so hardened. How? You are in the house of the Father. I expect you to have a compassionate heart have a merciful heart to love your brother who is returning from prodigal living but no his heart was so hardened and actually he was self-righteous he said I served you for so many years and even a small lamb you did not give me to have fun with my friends so he felt he's righteous and he blamed the father that he did not reward him at all although this was a false accusation. But many people, they are busy, even inside the church, too busy with the service in the church to be with God or to spend the time with God. Another reason for lukewarmness, when you feel that you are sufficient, I have need of nothing, you are sufficient. St. Paul, in the second letter to Timothy, and I'm sure you know his second letter to Timothy was the last letter he wrote before his martyrdom. And he wrote it at the end of his life, in which he said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and finally I received the crown of life. From the letter itself, we know that he was about to die. And he asked Timothy to come and to bring with him some stuff. One of the things that he asked him to bring was what? Parchment. Parchment is like the books to read. St. Paul wrote more than 50% of the New Testament. St. Paul saw Christ face to face. St. Paul was taught the gospel. He learned the gospel from Christ himself three years, as he said in his letter to Galatians. He told them, the gospel that I'm preaching, I did not learn from flesh and blood, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ himself. St. Paul who ascended to the third heaven. If anyone should feel sufficient and I don't, I don't need any more education or learning, then St. Paul will be the one. But even few months or weeks before his departure, he asked for the parchment 
in order to read, read to edify himself. So he had the spirit of a disciple until the time of his martyrdom. Although he learned the gospel directly from Christ, he was taken up to the third heaven. His letters, he wrote more than half of the New Testament. In spite of all these things, have a heart of a disciple. Some of us, especially the deacons, maybe they can go and attend midnight praises, attend vespers, attend liturgies, because yani, they chant the hymns they know and memorize. But if there is a revival or a spiritual word, they quit, they don't attend it. Why? They, they don't need to, to hear any more spiritual words. They know it all. I'm rich and I've become wealthy. Or sometimes when there is like a revival in the church and three, four days spiritual talks, we don't go and we don't attend. We lost the spirit of discipleship. We feel that we have sufficiency. We are sufficient. We don't need any more. That's why our spirit and the zeal fades away. We don't read spiritual books. We don't listen to sermons. If there is a plant and you don't water it, how this plant will grow? It will die. Bring some flowers, fresh flowers, and don't water them for two days. They will die. We need actually to keep feeding and nurturing our hearts. If you like to read, then spend 30 minutes every day in reading, 20 minutes in reading, but you need to spend some time in reading. In order to graduate from your college, I'm sure you read so many books. So 30 minutes every day in reading will nurture your spirit. But be selective on what you read. Sometimes we spend hours and hours reading nonsense on social media. Just the news about who got car, who got new dress, who got... And, and wasting your time. Use this time in a constructive way, in a transformed way. And many of us, we drive for some long distances. Listen to sermon. Something will edify you. But you need to be selective what you read and to what you listen. Because if you choose the wrong material, it can actually have negative effect on you. The next point, what is the treatment? After I examine myself, I find my, myself lukewarm as the Bible described here. And I shared with you some reasons of lukewarmness. And maybe the Lord never ever said, I will vomit you, like he said it here to the lukewarm people. And this expression, maybe the only time was mentioned, was mentioned here. Because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth which means you are not part of me. The union between me and God is severed. You are not part of me. But is it a hopeless case? No, definitely not. The Lord gave three main disciplines in order to get out of this lukewarmness. 
The first one, when he said, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich. What is the gold refined in the fire? It is the word of God. As we read in the book of Psalms, that the book of God is refined more than gold and silver. So that is the word of God. And the word of God is like gold. But what does it mean refined in the fire? Many people, all the Christian denomination, using the same text, the same Bible. But the problem here in the interpretation, some interpretation are not refined in the fire. But other interpretation are according to the will of God. If I send you a letter and you don't understand the meaning I meant behind every word in the letter, then the letter will not benefit you. But you need to understand what I intended by the letter. In the same way, when you read the Bible, who cares about your perception or how you understand it? But we need to understand the Bible as is intended by God himself. And thank God, we have the Bible, all of it, interpreted by early church father. Why I'm saying early church father? For two important reasons. One reason, they lived very, very close to the time of Christ. So definitely they understand the Bible different than how we understand it now and more accurate more correct than how we understand it now and second reason at that time there was consensus in the whole world until the middle of the fifth century there was no differences between christian until 451 all the christian were one in faith one in their understanding in the scripture so go to early church fathers and understand how they understood the scripture and abide to the teaching of God and acquire this gold if you want to be rich. St. Paul said, let the word of God dwell richly in you. Let the word of God dwell richly in you. Let me give you a test. Can you memorize or recite right now five verses about humbleness? Can you recite five verses about love? Can you recite five verses about prayer? Can you mention ten attributes about God? Can you mention the sacrifices in the Old Testament? If you don't know the answer to these questions, then the Word of God is not dwelling richly in you then I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. We are very poor in, in our knowledge of the scripture. But the Lord told us, you are pure because of the word that I have spoken unto you. In the temptation on the mountain, how the Lord responded to the devil, it is written. And when Satan tried to tempt the Lord by a word from the scripture, but was misinterpretation. The Lord told him, it is written also. Satan told him, it's written. 
the Lord told him it's written also. So if you want to get out of the lukewarmness, you need to let the word of God, the gold refined in fire, dwell richly in you. Number two, he told him, I counsel you to buy white garments, to have white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. What is white garment? As I told you, nakedness is nakedness from the righteousness of Christ. There are two types of righteousness. St. Paul, in his letter to Romans, spoke a lot about these two types of righteousness. Righteousness acquired based on your works. And righteousness based on repenting and returning back to God and uniting with Christ. If I'm united with Christ and I'm one with Christ, then his righteousness will be my righteousness. Because the two shall become one. I am his bride. So his righteousness will be my righteousness. But if I'm separate from Christ and I kicked him outside the door, and I'm trying to do works to be righteous, then my righteousness is actually nothing. And that's what St. Paul tried to explain to the Jews in his letter to Romans. You are striving through circumcision, through sacrifices, through keeping the feasts, through keeping the moon. You are striving to be righteous. But without believing in Christ, you cannot be righteous. In the Old Testament, the starting point for any person, he is a sinner. Then they tried to do good works in order to become righteous. But all of them failed. In the New Testament, in the New Covenant, the starting point also, I am a sinner. But once I am baptized, the old man, the sinful man, died in the water of baptism. And I put on Christ, as St. Paul said. I put on the righteousness of Christ. That's why after baptism, we dress the baptized person in white. This white symbolizes the white garment, the righteousness of Christ, that we received it for free. And all our spiritual fight or spiritual struggle after baptism is to keep this white garment. And if we fall and this white garment are defiled, it's not the end of the world. Through repentance, through confession, through communion, the white garments are washed again in the blood of Christ. And I become righteous again. So this person, the lukewarm, they want to acquire their own righteousness by their own activities. Because they separated themselves from Christ. They want to govern themselves, to rule themselves. That's why he told him, no. I am counseling you to get the white garments from me. To put on my righteousness on you. In practical terms, what does this mean for all of us? To repent. To confess your sins. To partake from communion. So the blood of Jesus Christ will wash all my sins. 
then I'll become righteous in Christ. And the third counsel, he told him, anoint your eye with eye salve that you may see. What does it mean? A person who is blind and led by a blind person, both of them will fall into a ditch. If I am a blind person, I need somebody who is enlightened to lead me, to hold my hand and to walk me. So the eye salve here is the spiritual direction, the spiritual fatherhood. You need to have a spiritual father and to have a spirit of a disciple, to be disciplined by him. And he can walk you in your spiritual way and be submissive to him. You know, if you are in, in, in medical school and you get your training, you're going to follow the, the professor and learn from him. And when he tells you, do it this way, you will do it this way. And you are submissive in order to be a good physician. The books that you read will not qualify you to be a good physician. But the training and the rotation that you are doing will qualify you to be a good physician. In the same way in spiritual life, it's not just books and you read. Yeah, it is important. As in, in school, it's important to study all these books. But the books in itself are not enough. You need training. That's why the spiritual life is a life of discipleship. You need a training. And everybody needs a training. Nobody, as I told you, should be sufficient. Even St. Paul. St. Paul, actually, he needs guidance. And that's why he started reading book until, you know, the time of his martyrdom. Everybody in the church, the priest has a spiritual father, the bishop has a spiritual father, the pope has a spiritual father. All of us, we need to have a spirit of discipleship. This will open our eyes from the blindness. So if there is a blind spot in my life, my spiritual father will highlight the blind spot so that I will be enlightened. So to get out of lukewarmness, there are three instructions from God himself. Buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich. And we said, this is the word of God. White garment that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. This is the righteousness of Christ. And anoint your eyes with salve that you may see. This is the spiritual discipleship to a godly spiritual father. Then gradually the zeal of the spirit will return back to you and you will not be lukewarm anymore, but you will be fervent in spirit and growing every day in the love and the knowledge of God. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.